0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. Today is officially the second Sunday in the season of end times, where we zoom in especially on what Jesus has to say about Judgment Day. And we we'll consider our reading from 1 Thessalonians in our scripture in our sermon today. The service is outlined for you in your service folder. Our opening hymn is number 384 as we worship under the theme Grace Alone. God bless your worship. We continue in the very front portion of your red hymnal on page 38. Please rise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And also with you. We have come into the presence of God, who created us to love and serve Him as His dear children, for we have sinned against Him, and deserve only His wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you, and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus my Savior, I
1: pray, have mercy on me, according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin, and take away my guilt.
0: God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, He has removed your guilt forever. You are His own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to His will. Uh In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. by your Holy Spirit, that we may always look forward to the end of this present evil age and to the day of your righteous judgment. Keep us steadfast in true and living faith, and present us at last, holy and blameless before you, through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our first reading from the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, chapter 8. In the blindness of unbelief, the nation of Israel refuses to repent. Tell them, this is what the Lord says. Do people fall and not get up again? Does someone turn away and not turn back? Then why has this people turned away? Why is Jerusalem always turning away? They take hold of deceit and refuse to turn back. I have paid attention and listened, but they do not say what is right. No one repents of his wickedness, asking, What have I done? Everyone pursues his own course like a horse charging into battle.
1: Even the stork in the sky knows her seasons. The turtle dove, the swallow, and the
0: crane observe the time of their migration. For my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. This is the word of our God. We continue with our psalm for today, Psalm 24, as found on page 73 in the front part of your book. Our second reading, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the day of judgment is the day of deliverance and reunion. Paul writes, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve in the same way as the others who have no hope. Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. In fact, we tell you this by the word of the Lord. We who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not go on ahead of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, or left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Hallelujah! Watch, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Hallelujah. from Matthew chapter 25. The day of judgment is the day of final separation. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, "Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was lacking clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or, lacking clothes, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, Amen, I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you, you did not give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you did not give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, lacking clothes, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not take care of me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or lacking clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not serve you? At that time he will answer them, Amen, I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me and they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated, and the children are invited forward for a brief children's lesson. like to read books too, and what you notice as you go through the book, you get eventually to the end. The last page, and a lot of times, in children's books, they'll put in big letters, the end. Then you close the book, and maybe it's best time, or maybe you pick up another book and you start again. Well, in our our Bible reading today, Jesus just got done saying that the world is going to come to an end. That eventually, one of these days, he's going to return where we'll see him face to face. But the cool thing, that even though the world ends, and it's not going to be the same, if you look in the Bible, read through the Bible, and you get all the way to the last page, and it doesn't say the end. It says, "Well, table of weights and measures." Let's get that. Part. It doesn't say the end in the Bible, because when Jesus comes to take you back, and when Jesus comes to take you to heaven, heaven doesn't end. What was that? So even though you know everything that you see here on earth, and the good things, and even the things that we don't like here on earth, they come to an end. But when Jesus returns, he's going to bring you to the life that doesn't end. Let's pray about that. Dear Lord, thank you for promising us an eternal life with you, where we will be reunited with you and with all believers in Christ. Keep us strong in the faith until we see you that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You can return to your seats for our next hymn. consider especially our reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The end. Is there anything that that seeks to rob the joy out of an event or a circumstance, and are there any words stronger than the end? Whether it's the good book that we've been enjoying and becoming immersed in, get to the end of it, and, oh, I could read it again, but I know what's going to happen. Or even if, you know, your favorite author, J.K. Rowling, gets to the end of her, her series, she says, actually, the end. There are no more. Favorite movie, favorite TV series, book our entertainment football season the end for some of us happening a whole lot sooner with the broken collarbone retirement eventually coming to an end or the vacation that we had been looking forward to and planning for and thinking about also those two or three or even four weeks of bliss and paradise eventually coming to an end. And normally when we think about endings, we think about the endings of, of good things and how we wish for just a little bit more, a little bit longer, one more page, another day. The end. We don't have to look very far before we, we see and we feel and we recognize, well, <laughs> the sand in the hourglass just keeps on ticking. You know, I've got another gray hair. The end is coming, right? Is an end ever a good thing? Well, yes, of course. Sometimes if it's, if it's a painful thing like a broken wrist or a broken collarbone, eventually it heals. The walking cast and the crutches are set aside. The person can stand up out of a wheelchair and the end of rehab, the end of a cast... The end of the time in the hospital can be a good thing. So when we talk about the end of the world, when we talk about the end of the world, do we understand really what this end is like? The end of the world, you see, it wasn't intended to have to end. At the very beginning, when Adam and Eve had lived in the garden, they walked in perfect fellowship with God and with one another. But then one day, you know, God said, Well, (laughs) you ate from the tree, and that means there will be an end. And every single event after that was a subtle or perhaps not so subtle reminder that the end was coming. But in His grace... In His grace, God said, you know what? I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to put an end to something so that there will be the beginning of something new. And so you remember, after, after that first counseling session at the tree, that first confrontation of sin and announcement of forgiveness, our Lord expels them from the garden. And what did He do next? He said, the end, to your access to the tree of life. All for the purpose of allowing them to come to an end. An end in this life, hanging on to the promise that there is life yet to come. If you remember what God says there at the end of Genesis chapter 3, He places an angel and a flaming sword at the entrance to the Garden of Eden so that they don't go back to the tree of the knowledge, or back to the tree of life, and eat from it and live on forever in their sinful condition, in a sinful world. And so God's first statement of grace about the end of time is his statement that there will be an end. He's going to send his son to put an end to sin and suffering, and he's going to make sure that the death they brought into the world is going to be turned around into a blessing for his people. The end. Okay, But Jesus will return from heaven, we don't know when. We might have to undergo and take that trek through the valley of the shadow of death, walking where, well, nobody else can walk with us to the very end except Christ himself. And when Jesus talks about an end, we recognize, well, my end will come. Whether it comes now or whether it comes when I see Jesus descending on the clouds of heaven, it's the same thing as every other beginning and every other end in life. That it's unavoidable. You can't stick your hand in the sand, your head in the sand, and think to yourself, well, you know, I don't have to worry about Jesus. I don't believe that. Okay? But he's a real person, Son of God at the same time. And he says he will be returning. And when he returns, there's going to be this separation, not based on works. As you see here in Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, he separates them as sheep from goats based on the faith that he sees within their hearts. Are they bowing before him in love and adoration and joy? Are they bowing before him in cowering and fear? Jesus stands them up long enough to separate them into the two groups. And he says, the Lord, friends, this is the end. The end. And to picture that day, are you ready? Unavoidable, like the end that, that um, we experience every day in greater or lesser degree in this life, whether the retirement, the health, the youth, the vacation, the book, the movie, the series, the season, it comes to an end. And when Jesus says that he is returning soon, he means it. Even though it's been a thousand years, and that's where the scoffing begins. When Jesus says there's an end, the world says, no, it's not. Peter and Paul and John and Jude all write very clearly to say, watch out, that you aren't led astray in those last days. (laughs) People are saying, he'll never come, there's no end, there's no judgment. Sticking their heads in the sand and not worrying about it, because, well, let's just eat, drink, and be merry, and I'll worry about that tomorrow. And what does Jesus say? Behold, I am coming soon. With the day, you know, God isn't bound by, by the sort of time constraints that you and I understand. And so he says, well, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. How many more days, Lord? It's been two thousand years. Maybe another thousand. Maybe another day. What he says stands true. The end is near. He is coming. And the question before us, are you ready? It's the exact question that each of us has to deal with whether Jesus returns during our lifetime or not. None of us knows whether, you know, we'll slide off the highway into the ditch on our way home. None of us knows if, you know, we'll have a heart attack like one of our pastors up in the UP of Michigan last night. We don't know. So where is our comfort? Well, listen to what what Paul says. We who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not go on ahead of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay. You see. The Son of God, who has no beginning and has no end, and has always existed in perfect fellowship and communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit, From eternity to eternity, He has no beginning. He has no end. Paul says that this Son of God chose to have a beginning point. We celebrate it toward the end of March, because that's nine months before, before Christmas Day. He chose to have a beginning when His life began within the womb of the Virgin Mary. And even more, your Lord, chose to have an end. He chose to have an end that wasn't just, wasn't just a freak accident, wasn't just something outside of his control, it was most certainly within his control, but he allowed them to bring his life to an end. All for the purpose of letting you know that the end, when it comes for you, is the beginning of something new with him that you as a Christian have absolutely nothing to fear and everything to look forward to about the end of time, about Judgment Day. Because yes, it's coming. It's absolutely coming. And if you ever doubted that fact, just watch your favorite series on Netflix and then measure that little hint of regret and doubt that you have in your heart at the thought of that series coming to an end. Or think back to the last time you took a vacation and day 14 of two weeks of vacation and Monday is the next morning. And look at the doubt that you know is there. The silent testimony that all good things come to an end. Christ's promise is that all bad things come to an end. That when He is coming and when you see Him face to face, whether before Judgment Day or at Judgment Day, there's absolutely nothing for you to be afraid of, because by his death, our Lord killed death dead. He ended the most tragic and unreversible, irreversible end that has ever been. He ended the idea of people being separated from God. And he ended it by taking our sin upon himself, and by dying, by leading the way, blazing the trail, the light of the world, blazing the trail through the valley of the shadow of death, crushing its head as he walked out of the tomb Easter Sunday morning. That's what Paul writes here. And and I know I've preached on this this reading too, at, at least two times, maybe three times for, for funerals here. But look at what he says. This is so absolutely... Absolutely life changing. Verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe Jesus will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep in him. Do you notice the change? We believe that Jesus died. We believe, and we know, and we teach, and we confess that Jesus died, death being the absolute separation of body and soul, of people from their loved ones, death, in the spiritual sense, being separated of the the person from God. The person from God's loving presence. Really? Death? And hell? Hell is just the eternal separation from God. And so Jesus, Jesus endured all that. He actually died. Yes, his his heart stopped beating, he his lungs stopped breathing, and he endured that complete and total separation from God. Death. For what purpose? To kill death, death. We believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep yeah. through Jesus. Yeah. That for the Christian, for the Christian, when your heart stops beating, That just means that you'll be falling asleep in the Lord the way that a little child falls asleep on Dad's shoulder. And the connotation and the point that Jesus is making here through the words of the Apostle Paul is that the Jesus who rose from the dead is the Jesus who will come and wake you up. That yes. Those people right now are with the Lord. And that yes is their body and soul will be reunited at the end of time at that end which we cannot avoid. That end that for the Christian we all look forward to. Because your relationship to Judgment Day really depends on where you stand in relation to Jesus. He's coming. If you're a believer, if you are a Christian, that's a joyful day. If you're not, Day of Wrath, oh day of mourning. think of it this way. And this um this illustration comes from a friend back in Ottawa who was really struggling with his mom's faith after a series of strokes, and he was wondering, you know, what are we waiting for now? Just waiting for the other shoe to drop, and are we waiting for the end? Who knows? And this is the way that he put it. His name is Dave. He said, you know what? You know what, Pastor? I have begun to see now that, that right now we're just waiting kind of the way that, that people wait at an airport. And if you've ever been there, you know it. <laughs> you go through all the security checkpoints and you finally get to your seat and you wait for your plane to show up. And the thing with, with waiting at the airport, you as a Christian had your ticket punched and stamped at your baptism. And waiting there at the airport, it's like all of us gathered together in the waiting room, waiting for our plane to show up, and God hasn't told us whether it's going to be a 747 or a two-seater. And so he says, dear Christians, gather together here. Don't lose sight, but encourage one another with these words, that our Lord is coming, that he died, he rose, and so he'll bring with him all those who have already fallen asleep in him. I guess the best way to wrap it up is the the question that Robbie asked after our um, children's devotion. He said, well, Pastor, I have a question, I have a question. And um, do you remember what your question was? Is there any church in heaven? Yeah. Is there any church in heaven? I said, of course, Robbie. Because the way the Bible describes heaven is this ongoing worship service where you see God face to face. You don't have to to approach him in in a way that we just hear and taste and touch, but can't embrace. But a worship service... Without an end, because our Lord put an end to absolutely every single end. It'd be a great way to probably end right there with the end. But I'll leave you with this closing thought. With all that in mind, that the end is unavoidable, that the end can be any day, whether for all of us or simply one of us. How? Does that encourage you today? What would that encourage you to say or even do today? Because Jesus says the end is coming soon. That your ticket has been punched. But there's only one plane, really. The plane that goes to heaven, and when that door is shut, it's shut. And he himself, totally apart from your works and your efforts, he himself has said, dear friend, here's your ticket in the word of God. Here's your ticket in holy baptism. Just look forward and sit here and join together and sing and wait. And you will see. You will see the end. Amen. Please rise. And now may the grace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and in, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page six in your worship folder, where we'll join in our creed, the Apostles' Creed, set to music. Thank you. Invite you to turn to page 131 in the front portion of your red hymnal. And on page 131, you will find our prayer of intercession. Let us pray, brothers and sisters, for the Holy Church of God throughout the world, that God the Almighty Father gather and guide it, so that we may worship Him in peace and tranquility. Almighty and eternal God, you have shown your glory to all nations in Jesus Christ. Guide the work of the Church, help it to persevere in faith, proclaim your word, and bring salvation to people everywhere. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for our pastors and teachers and all leaders of the Church and for all the people of God. Almighty and eternal God, your Spirit guides the Church and makes it holy. Strengthen and uphold all who serve you and your people. Keep them in health and safety for the good of the Church. Help each of us to do faithfully the work to which you have called us. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for those who do not believe in Christ, that the light of the Holy Spirit may show them the way to salvation. Almighty and eternal God, Enable those who do not acknowledge Christ to receive the truth of the Gospel. Help us, your Church, to grow in love for you and for one another, so that we become more perfect witnesses of your love for all people. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. Let us pray for those who serve in public office, that God may guide their minds and hearts, so that all of us may live in true peace and freedom. Almighty and eternal God, graciously direct those who have been set in positions of authority among us, so that people everywhere may enjoy peace, freedom, justice, and a share in the goodness of your creation. Lord, in your mercy. Finally, let us pray that God the Almighty and Merciful Father may heal the sick, comfort the dying, give safety to travelers, and free those unjustly deprived of liberty. Almighty and eternal God, you give strength to the weary and new courage to those who have lost heart. In your mercy, hear the prayers of all who call on you in any trouble, that they may have the joy of receiving your help in their need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And we also join to pray. Our Father, Father who, art who art in heaven, how be thy name? Thy kingdom come,
1: Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. the kingdom and the power
0: and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And we pray, Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Be seated for our closing hymn number sixty-two. And no that's not a typo. It is it is in the Christmas section of our of our hymnal. But if you look at the words, it fits very well and even better with Christ's second return than with his first coming. Shower for Travis and Ventura. Um, 11 a.m. at church. Doctor Marie, If you have any questions, um, and decorating the church, November 26th after Bible class. Um, the others are listed for you there. And then, um, if you needed an excuse to invite somebody to church or an idea how, um, get a copy of this weekend weekend sentinel,
1: and um, there's a little bit on the back page. Right? God bless you.